I, before I go into this, this word, this message, and I'm going to see how the Lord's going to direct me with this word tonight. I, I just think it would be so appropriate to say just a few things. I, my wife and I just, we're so grateful and thankful that we can get away. And we have a beautiful team, a trustworthy team that loves the glory and loves the presence of God and, and hosts the Lord so well and hosts people so well. I want to honor all of you. I don't want to miss anybody. I would begin to start saying names, but I love and honor all of you. And this is really on the behalf of my wife and I. We're so grateful for you, every one of you. And you're dear to us. We love this family. I want to tell you, it feels really good, really good to be back in this house tonight. It is awesome in here. I want to thank Shane for bringing the word last week. I, yeah, go ahead. Love you. I've already thanked Shane privately, and when we were traveling, my wife and I listened to the message in its fullness, and um, there were times in the mountains where it was kind of cutting out, and, and I would go, glory to God, and it would cut back in, and Shane would go, glory to God, literally. I was like, it was beautiful. If you have, if you've heard the message on the mantle of Jehu, I encourage you to go back, listen to it again. There is so much um, prophetic li- prophetic lining in the message that it's just it's awesome. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, what what's the matter with you? I mean, just kidding. If you haven't listened to it, you can go to our website. You can go to VictoryFLA.com and you can see that. And uh, be part of it. It's a powerful word, Shane. Just thank you so much. Just love um, that God is raising Shane up as a prophetic messenger in this house. Uh, he's in the right house. Him and Janique are in the right house. They're celebrated here. Everyone is celebrated here, but they're celebrated here. And um, love them. So um, I want you to go to John chapter 4, the Gospel of John tonight. I am so saturated in God. Like I just, I'm like, oh, there is a rich, thick, thick, heavy blanket of God in this place. It's just all over us. I can tell it's all over you. It's all over me. So I'm going to see how this message is going to, is going to be released through me tonight. We're in the gospel of John, John chapter 4. And uh, while you're turning there, I just want to say to those that came to me before service and said, Pastor, you've gained weight on vacation. <laughs> I would say that you, you, you know, we, we desire our church to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. I would say you're operating in a low level of a word of knowledge. But I desire you to flow more in the word of wisdom and not say anything to me about that. I assure you, it will melt like wax off of me in this fast coming up. Barbecue sticks to me. So we had a great time, didn't we, baby? Man, we, we ate like kings. And we did everything we could to avoid eating a bunch of Dairy Queen blizzards. <laughs> Sorry, it just calls out to me. It's the wild. (laughs) 
Brim would go, oh, no, there's another. And we would look the other way and be like, no, we're not doing it. Anyway, I'm in John 4. The, the moral to the story is, is don't take yourself too serious. Amen. That's the point. Don't take yourself too serious. Life is good. And I'm, I'm thankful for those of you that care, uh, you know, that I've gained weight. And it's going to be okay. It's going to go in Jesus' name. Just stretch your hands towards me and just, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're in John 4 tonight. This is an epic story. I, I don't normally read so much text in my message. Now, we use, we use a lot of Bible. I mean, a lot of Bible. And every, every time we, we're here together as a family, we use a lot of Bible. But I don't normally um, preach so much from the bulk of a text. And I just believe it's important to go the distance in this text. And will you do this? We're in John 4. We're going to go into this story together. And it's, I want you to take some notes tonight because this is such, uh, it's the word of the Lord, really. It's, I'm just carrying a message. I'm a messenger. And I've been here with the Lord today, fresh on the campus since early this morning. And it's a message from the Lord that I'm to carry to the family. And, um, and, and if we could, if somebody could just help us with, I don't know if we can help with those blinds. Some of our people are just being, it's like the glory of Moses is upon them, you know. And um, if you'll just help us with that, we'll do our best. Lord, we just thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the authority of your word, and thank you for the anointing, Holy Spirit, that is in this house, that is flowing in this house now. I thank you, Lord, that your angels are present. Your, your angels are moving in this house, Lord. Your angels are releasing gifts in the house tonight. And Lord, I thank you that you help me as your messenger now to just get right in the sweet spot. And release this word over your people. And I pray that it releases life, life, and glory upon them tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm in John chapter 4, maybe a very, very familiar passage to you. As I was reading it, I, I don't know how many times I read it today, over and over. But I was thinking about the chosen. How many of you love the chosen and we, um, I think it was last year, Josiah came to me and said, Dad, why don't we put the Chosen episodes on our app? And um, we did that. So many of you were blessed by that. We've had so many reach out to us. And so they're available. They're there. Forget how many seasons we've got on that. I think there's only two seasons. We've got one season on there. So, But I was thinking as I was reading through this text about the magnificent job they did on the episode of the woman at the well that Jesus met. And I'm telling you what, I... I just weep through every one of those episodes, and this, this, this episode was epic. And if you want to go home tonight and before we start the fast, have a bowl of ice cream and watch that episode, I bless that in Jesus' name. You have the sanction. There's your blessing. <laughs> Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. And I love that, that he was training them to baptize. Isn't that beautiful? He left Judea. He departed again to Galilee. Now, notice that verse right there, verse 3. I want to highlight that. He left Judea and he departed again to Galilee. And I know those of you that have traveled with me and Bren to Israel, you can, you can just see that track 
right now in your spirit and in your mind. In verse 4, it says that he needed to go through Samaria. And I submit this to you tonight that the reason why Jesus had to go through Samaria, and if, and if this may interest you, they literally had, you know, they didn't, remember this, Jesus didn't call his Uber. You know, he called an Uber van and just said, guys, load up and let's, let's go to Samaria. They, they walked everywhere they went, right? They had to walk an, an additional 36 miles out of the way to go where they were going. And so there was a reason, and it was because that Jesus had an appetite to fulfill the will of the Father. I'm going to say that again. Jesus had an appetite to fulfill the will of the Father. He was hungry for the fulfillment of his destiny. He was hungry for the fulfillment of his purpose. He was to be led by the Spirit. And everywhere the Father said, now, son, go here, go there, it's what he did. I love it. He needed to go through Samaria. And when he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. This is important, too. The, the word Sakar it means place of intoxication or place of drunkenness. If you're taking notes tonight, Sakar it means place of intoxication, place of drunkenness. In other, in other words, it was, it was the wild side of town. It was, I'll call it this, it was the, it was the wrong side of the tracks. How many of you know what that is? few of you know. But Jesus had to go there, and he was led by the Spirit to go to seemingly the wrong side of the tracks, the place of intoxication, the, the, the place of revel, the place of partying, okay? And now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, he sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, what I love about this, too, and we're going through this, we're going to take our time tonight. And I want to go some places. I love that Jesus' humanity is actually revealed in this scripture. He was wearied from the journey. Did everybody see that? John wrote that, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus was wearied from the journey. He was tired, but he had need to go there. An extra 36-mile walk, but he's on a mission, ladies and gentlemen. He's on, an, he's on a divine assignment by the Spirit of God. Okay? But he's, he's worn out but he's tuned in. I want to say that again. He's worn out, but he's tuned in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever been worn out, but tuned in? I've just driven 4,200 miles back to Sarasota. I'm a little worn out, but I'm going to tell you, baby, I'm tuned in right now. I'm dialed into the frequency of heaven right now. I'm a little wore out. I'm a little wore out. A little heavier, you know, but I'm doing okay. Doing okay. It's going to be all right. Oh, <laughs> a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, now notice Jesus initiates too. I love this. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have... No dealings with Samaritans. <laughs> Jesus, you're reaching across the lines here. You're, 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 not, you're not social distancing, Jesus. <laughs> you're reaching across the lines. There's something odd about this. Why are you doing this? Why, why are you talking to me? You're, you're breaking cultural lines. 
And I love that Jesus did that. He was breaking cultural lines. Hear that tonight in your spirit. He was breaking cultural norms. He was breaking cultural barriers that everybody would always exist. No, but Jesus came to destroy that barrier. Aren't you glad? Come on, say amen. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is who said to you, give me a drink, you would ask of him, and he would give you living water. Wow. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father? Notice this question. This is powerful. Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, oh, you've said well. I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. So in that, you have spoken truly. Whoa. This was a a woman that her life had been ambushed by needing a man. Stay with me. Her sorrow and her pain and the anguish that she had already suffered came because she had to have a man and then another man and then another man and then another man. And there was no satisfaction in all the relationships. And here she was now shacking up with another man who was not her husband. And Jesus calls that out. And here's what I want to tell you. See, Jesus, how many of you know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Jesus, you can't dupe Jesus either. Jesus, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't deal with the leaves that are, that are blowing in the wind that everybody can see. Jesus goes to the roots that are under the surface that nobody else can see. Jesus went, in, in a moment, he just went, call your husband and then come back. He wanted to, what was he doing? He was getting down to her roots. He was getting down to the inner sanctuary of her heart. He was getting down to the deep deep recesses of her spirit of what was really going wrong in her world, what she had been trusting in for so long and kept failing again and again and again. But now she's went through six men and now she's met the seventh man, the perfect man, the son of man. Come on, the son of man, the son of God, the son of David, the son of Abraham. woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've said, well, you have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. So in that you've spoken truly. I love this. (laughs) The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. (laughs) I love that. I wonder how she said that. 
Our fathers, now watch where she goes. Now, in that moment, watch where her mind goes and the conversation goes. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. And we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Watch this. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Now, before we read on, I love that Jesus revealed that concerning the nature of our Father. Our Father has an appetite for something, and you caught it. His appetite is He looks for what is pure and what is true. He looks for what is pure and for what is true. I remember when Victoria said to us one day, she said about victory, she said, you know, Dad, we're not trying to build big and we're not trying to build fast. We're trying to build pure. God is attracted. Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God is attracted to the heart of purity. God is attracted to the heart that comes after him in truth. He looks. Jesus revealed the nature of our Father, his Father, that our God is attracted to that which is true, that which is spirit, that which is true. When we get in this place together and we get in as a family and we're, we're going after the heart of God and we're, we're creating this sacred space, we're building the altar together. This is not just an individual experience. This is a corporate experience where we are building the altar of the Lord so the fire and the glory of God can rest in this house. What attracts God to this house is when we worship in spirit and when we worship in truth. That there's, I think everyone in this room hates what is phony. Can I see your hand? You just wave at me. Do you hate what is phony? Do you hate what is fake? Do you hate anything that's fickle? Well, then you're just like me. I don't want to be around anything that's fake. I don't want to be around anything that's fickle. I don't want to be around anything that's putting on a facade. I don't want to be in a church cycle or a a church game or a church system that all it is is dead religion, and it will waste your life. It'll waste your purpose. It'll it'll waste your whole destiny. God's spirit is attracted to those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And I love that Jesus told us that about our father. We needed to know that about our father. He came to reveal the father. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Oh, gosh. Yo. And at this point, his disciples came, watch this word, and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Why are you talking to her? No one said it. They they thought it, but no one dare said it. 
The woman left her water pot and went away into the city and said to the men, come and see the man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. And then watch this. In the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Because he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know of. And therefore the disciples said to one another, uh, who has brought him? Who's brought him anything to eat? Who, who's done this? Who brought the Lord a bag of Doritos? Who, what's going on here? Now, before we move on, I want you to see this. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. I want to tell you what the, the, the disciples had a problem, and the problem was called self-preservation, if you're taking notes. The problem was self-preservation. And also, the problem is now is that they're bringing Jesus down to their level because that's what they're doing. What they're doing is eating, right? While God is breaking out in his spirit, their head is in their lunch sack. That's what they're doing. Jesus just come down to our level. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. And then Jesus springs in on them and he says, I have food of which you do not know of. And so they're perplexed. And Jesus answers their thought. Look in verse 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. There it is. My will is to do the food of the one who sent me. And watch this. And to finish his work. The scripture tells us that Jesus is our chief apostle. Say that. He's our chief apostle. It also says he's our head apostle. Jesus was sent forth from the Father. And I want to tell you, Jesus had an anointing on him, and it was a finishing anointing. you got to hear this tonight. And just track this in the Spirit, because I'm telling you, the apostolic church that Christ is building now in the earth will carry the finishing anointing to do the works and the will of the Father in these last days before his glorious return. Jesus was sent forth from his Father, and he wasn't deflected from his assignment. He wasn't confused about it, and he, even though he was wearied, he wasn't overtaken by his own flesh about now it's time to eat. He was locked in. He was weary, but he was tuned in. And I'm going to tell you, the battles that we're going into, you may get weary, but you can still be tuned in to the frequency of heaven. When your body is weak, when you are low, you will still have the spirit of breakthrough on you. You're going to go through some more adversities in the days and months and weeks to come. And I'm going into these battles too, but I'm going to tell you right now, we may grow weary, but we will be locked and loaded. We will be tuned into the spirit of God. And I want to remind you tonight, we are sent forth. We are an apostolic church. We are ones that are sent forth by the Spirit of God to destroy the works of the devil. Oh. I'm a little heavier, but I, I got the preach on me. <laughs> Verse 35, do not say... There's still four months, and then comes the harvest. Now, this is the next problem. It's called a seasonal problem. Write that down. 
The first problem that the disciples had was a self-preservation problem, but the next problem they had was a seasonal problem. Here's the problem. Jesus goes right to the roots. Remember, he's not dealing with the leaves. He's dealing with the roots. Here's the roots. Do not say that there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Oh, For in this saying is true, one sows and the other reaps. And I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored and others have labored and you have entered into their labors. It really, it just, I tell you, that's a powerful statement because that just brings us right into the place of humility, doesn't it? We recognize that we are in a, in a generational continuum of our flow and our part right now in the seed time and the harvest. Amen? And then many of the Samaritans in the city, they believed in him because of the word that the woman had testified. He told me all the things I ever did. And so the Samaritans had come to him and they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. Where did he stay? He stayed in the place of drunkenness. He stayed in the place of intoxication. The place that was on the wrong side of the tracks. He stayed on the wild side. And he opened their spirit to the gospel of the kingdom. And many more believed in him of his own word. Watch what they say next. And then they said to the woman, now we believe because, not because of just what you have said, for we have heard him and we know. This indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. I want to submit to you a few things tonight from this story. If you're taking notes, I want you to stay with me. This is a beautiful story because one of the things that stands out to me is that it's notable that Jesus chose this woman at the well. And again, go back and watch the chosen episode. It's just really masterful what they did. Don't watch it now on the app. I'm preaching. (laughs) I'm kidding. I think this is notable in who Jesus chooses because seemingly he chose someone that most people wouldn't have chosen. Isn't that awesome? He chose, I'm going to call her the most unlikely candidate. She had been married five times. She's now with her sixth man. She's like what many would call a tabloid chick, right? She, she had some issues. Are you, y'all going to be okay with this? Y'all, I heard, oh, look, I don't know what that was. Use the restroom, do whatever that is. I don't know. <laughs> she was a tabloid chick. She, she, she had some things going on in her world. Uh, and the truth is, before Jesus, we all had a lot going on in our world. How many of you remember that? I think when we tell our uncensored version of our testimony, people get more free. <laughs> this lady's testimony, it's out there, man. I mean, she had some baggage. But Jesus chooses to reveal himself to her. And again, that just shows the love of the Father. Isn't that awesome? He finds us. Just remember that. He he found me. He found you. 
we just went through my hometown and Brent and I got to go back to the house that the Holy Spirit came upon me in my dad's bedroom where the Spirit of God filled up that room. The house was empty. Somebody had just moved out of it. And we were able to get into every, well, we didn't crawl through every window, but we were able to put our phones up and we were able to take pictures inside that house. And it was, it was indescribable indescribable. It was awesome. See, Jesus came and he rescued us. He found us. He found this woman. He was set up. He had to go there. It was 36 miles out of the way. He had to go there, but he had to have someone that was going to pop the cork on a city in a region. And the person that he chose was the most unlikely candidate, yet he chose her to pop the cork to transform an entire region and a city. And I say that to submit to you. It may surprise you in this hour who God is speaking to. It may end up surprising you who God uses. I'm going to say that again. It may end up surprising you who God uses in this hour to break open an entire, come on church, an entire, come on church, an entire city and a region. It may end up surprising all of us who God chooses to break open regions. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking to your destiny tonight. You are in a house that has been chosen to bring transformation to a city and a region. You are in a house. You have been divinely chosen to be part of the transformation of this city and this region. Now, if you're taking notes tonight, you need to write this down. It requires transformed people to transform a city. It requires transformed people to transform a city. And I'm going to go a step farther. It requires transformed leaders and churches. Cody, it, 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 it requires transformed worship leaders to transform a city. It requires, where, where, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> If none of you got that, me and Cody just got it, and it's okay. It's going to be all right. <laughs> Where we're going, Mary, Henry, all of you, it's, it requires transformational leaders. And you'll remember in 2 Corinthians when Paul wrote about Moses coming down. How many remember this? Moses coming down from the mountain. You can look at it. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Moses was coming down, and the glory off, off of him was so intense from him being before the face of God, the burning eyes of Jesus, the face of God. For 40 days, 40 nights, the intensity of the glory was so radiating, emanating off of Moses, they could not take it. And they had to put a veil over his face. Read it for yourself. But then Paul goes on to tell us about the mystery of the law that was bringing death. And then about the mystery of the grace of Jesus that was going to liberate us. And he said, what happens is, is he says, when we come into Christ, that veil is removed. And that veil is taken away. And we behold the Lord face to face. Then he says, when you behold the Lord face to face, what happens to you is you become so radiant 
Chet used the word tonight, beautiful. You become so beautiful, so radiant, it says that what happens to you, you start going from glory to glory. You go from glory to glory. And Paul says you are actually changed and transformed into the very likeness and the image of Jesus. I'm quoting 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 to you. The more you're with the Lord, this isn't churchy stuff. This is holy stuff. The more you're with the Lord, beholding the Lord and spending quality time with the Lord and being before his face and worshiping him, what happens is you start actually fulfilling your destiny. And I'm going to tell you what that is tonight. Your destiny is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Your destiny is to be conformed into the very likeness of Jesus. That's your destiny. If you are loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you are loving your neighbor as yourself, which fulfills completely the law and the prophets, and if you are beholding the Lord and going from glory to glory and being changed into his image and likeness, you are already fulfilling your destiny. Stop stressing in a vortex over your life. You are already fulfilling the will of God for you. Whether you're single or whether you're married, or you are fulfilling. You are fulfilling. Whether you're single, whether you're married, you're already fulfilling God's perfect will for your life. And what is that? The will of God for my life and your life is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Church is not about packing as many people as we can into a building. Church is about packing as much of the Holy Ghost inside of people that they start radiating and looking like the Lord. The greatest compliment is that Jesus would be seen in you. The greatest compliment of your life is if people can see Jesus in you, that's the greatest compliment of your life. So it's going to require transformed people to transform our city. It's going to require transform. Guys, listen, we are going through a metamorphosis as a church. We're going through a metamorphosis. We're, we're literally going from one level of glory to a new level of glory. And the gifts that are coming to us in three, four weeks from now are going to help accelerate that purpose of God's glory. I want you to think about how, and I think this is important. How you doing, Kathy? You soaking? <laughs> this is what I think is important. I think it's important to note that Jesus always put the disciples into uncomfortable situations. Can we go back to the text for a minute? They show back up, and Jesus is doing something seemingly you're not supposed to be doing. Jesus, why, why aren't you social distancing from her? You know, you know she's a Samaritan. Why are you talking to her? Oh, my God, I'm tripping out, but I'm, I don't dare say anything. I know Jesus can read my thoughts. Oh, my God, i got to change my thoughts quickly. Oh. that. Sorry, Lord. Oh, dear God. He's going to pull me aside and talk to me after this meeting. Oh, my God. 
Yes, Lord, I was wondering, what were you doing talking to her? What are you doing? Jesus stretched them. And I want you to understand that we are just like them. And they are just like us. We have to be stretched and taken out of our comfort zones. Jesus was the master of stretching people. And we need to be stretched. We need to be taken out of the comfortable places. Oh, I hope you're hearing this. The disciples had to learn how to become flexible. The disciples had to learn how to become adaptable. Shane, you said it many times. I don't know what this revival is going to look like, but we're going to take it. We're receiving it however, however it looks. I'm telling you, uh, and I amen that, and I'm just going to go a little bit and just add to it and piggyback on it and just tell you tonight that however this unfolds and springs forth and begins to manifest, all of us have to become very adaptable and flexible to what is, what is happening. You know? However it looks. But what, what is awesome is that the disciples got to watch Jesus in his flow. And when he was in his flow, when he came back from being with his father in prayer, he was in the moment. He, he was lit. And he was, he was in the zone. And they were able to watch the master and they were able to get into the slipstream of what was going on. But evidently, these guys were weary and they were tired and now they're eating. And they're not really in the zone. Jesus is in the zone. And he has to be like, hey, boys, <laughs> I've got food that you know nothing about. Oh, what's he talking about, food? What's he talking? No, I'm not, I'm not talking about food, fellas. I've got food that you know nothing about. And my food is to do the will of God. And here's, here's what I want you to grab hold of tonight. There is a spiritual appetite inside of you that the Lord is trying to break open here at Victory. He's trying to break open a spiritual appetite that gets you beyond your natural life and your natural means. And it gets you into the realm of the supernatural. And it gets you into the vision of what God is longing to do in our entire city and region and it is about revival. It is about awakening. It is about the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Are you with me tonight? Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. And when they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompany of signs. I love that. Notice it says the Lord working with them. That's, that's awesome. And I want to grab that tonight because the same Jesus is with us, that, that Jesus is working with you and I right now. Jesus is working with us. Jesus is going to accompany us in the miraculous. He's going to coach you. He's going to mentor you. Listen, guys, if, if you're coming to victory and you're not yet, if you leave here and you're not yet talking to people about the Lord through your week, you're missing it. And I'm going to say it in love. If you're coming to victory and you're not praying for the sick outside of this church, you're missing it. You've got to do the works of Jesus. He's the master. He's the pattern. If you're not sharing, if you're not 
risking yourself, if you're not breaking the barriers and stretching yourself, if you're just, if you're just coming in and having great worship, awesome, awesome. But if you're not leaving and you're not decreeing and sharing and speaking the good news in love and with authority and doing what God tells you to do, wherever that is in Sarasota, Bradenton, Venice, Port Charlotte, whatever, then, then you're missing some stuff. You're missing really the key ingredients because these disciples watched the master and then he expected them to go and do it. Go and do what you've seen me do. And notice that Jesus initiated with the woman. And guys, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to step out into the supernatural and you're going to have to begin to initiate. It means you're going to have to begin to talk. It means you're going to have to begin to initiate. You're just, you're just going to have to break that barrier. And you're going to have to walk up to that person when your belly's on fire, on fire. And the Spirit of God's telling you in that grocery store, you know you're supposed to go down aisle seven. You're supposed to pray for that lady with the awesome hat. Do it now. And you just start and you go there. I, I said awesome hat because I looked at you, Carol. You've always got awesome hats on. The little bling lady. Okay. Listen, it's where you got to go. It's where Jesus is wanting to take us. And I've said this before. It's not Bible, but it really works. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall bend and not break. Go ahead and say that tonight. It's powerful. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall bend and not break. It's not Bible, but it works, right? (laughs) Shane quoted me last week a few times. And he said to you, Revival is going to be very messy. Well, he's right. Revival is going to get very messy. This whole thing of God breaking out, it's, it's not going to be neat. It's not going to be sanitary. It's going to become very, very messy, but it's necessary. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it again tonight. And hear this. This goes for everybody. Revival leaders must learn to live with the uncomfortable. Write it down. Revival leaders must learn how to live with the uncomfortable. The disciples had to learn how to live with the uncomfortable. It means they had to learn how to be stretched. And let me tell you about the uncomfortable because preaching the uncompromised truth in this hour is going to make you uncomfortable. How about that? How about healing the sick? How about healing the sick? How about, how about casting out devils? How about, how about prophesying? Hello? How about creating justice for other people? How about loving unlovable people? How about loving messed up people? How about loving uh, dirty people? When you're casting out devils, when you're prophesying, when you're healing the sick, and that's everything that you and I are called to do, it's you, you, the Holy Spirit is summonsing you into a realm that's very uncomfortable, and you have to leave the familiar. you got to break your comfort zones. And that's what we call risky business. <laughs> it's not the Tom Cruise movie. The risky business is risking yourself. It's getting over yourself, and it's breaking through the barriers of your own self and beginning to flow with the Spirit of God. When church leaders, when they work hard to play it safe, when they work hard to create an atmosphere that's comfortable for everybody, I can guarantee you this, that church will be sterile and it will be barren of miracles. We're not here to play it safe. 
We're not, we're not here to teach you a nice little safe Christian life so you can insulate your world from everything that's dirty. You need to carry your torch into dark places. You need to take your torch, and better yet, you need to become a torch. You need to become a torch and then walk into the darkness and burn. That's what John Wesley said. He said, I set myself on fire and just people come and watch me burn. Love that. Now, Jesus was masterful at getting into people's worlds, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Zacchaeus is up in a tree. Jesus jumps inside of the fisherman's boat. Jesus goes to the city of Nain at, at a funeral. He wrecks a funeral. Brings the boy back to life. I mean, that's a pretty good day. The disciples saw all of this. I mean, here's this... Here, in the city of Nain, here they are, those of you that went to Israel with us, you'll remember that when you're up in, in Nazareth where they tried to throw Jesus off the pinnacle for announcing who he was. You'd look through the valley and on the other side there's that hill crest of the city of Nain. And if you're here tonight, you'll remember me telling you that's where Jesus raised that boy from the dead and returned him to his mom. Jesus was masterful at it. But the disciples watched him do it. And here's the thing we can't do. We can't go... We can't go, oh, that's Jesus, and applaud. Jesus expected his disciples to go forth and do the greater works that he was doing. He said, greater works will you do because I go to the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, where we're going, everybody has to be functioning and operating and moving in the power of the Spirit. Everybody, 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 everybody. I'm going to say to you, you are anointed... The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and dwells in you, and you will, you will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You, listen, and everything in your world will be different. I guarantee you, the moment you lay hands on someone and you see them healed, your world will be different. When you raise the dead, your world will be different. Come on, church. Jesus was masterful at it. I, I was thinking, you can put it in your notes, in Mark 5 where Jesus, Jesus meets this demonized man who he, he's in chains and he, he runs in the nude and no one can put clothes on him. I mean, the Bible tells you that. <laughs> no one could put clothes on him. He's, he's wild. And, and yet all of these multitude of demons inside of this guy could not keep him from running to Jesus and falling at his feet and worshiping him. And Jesus sets him free from every affliction and demon spirit. It may surprise you who God uses in this hour. Well, tell me your testimony. Well, I was the guy that used to run in the graveyard. You probably saw me. You remember me? <laughs> that, that was me. That, that's my testimony. I was, that, I, I was the guy that used to growl at you and your kids. <laughs> And don't I look better with clothes? <laughs> he wanted to go with Jesus. How, how many? I'm telling you, Bible. He wanted to follow Jesus and become a disciple, and Jesus said, "No, go into this region and tell your family and everyone you know what the Lord has done for you." He received his assignment. He received his commissioning. This is where I want you to go. 
You stay right here. You stay planted here. Tell everybody what I've done for you. You don't get to go, but you get to go do the stuff. You get it? It's awesome. Jesus was masterful at it. I'm going to say it again. He's our pattern for ministry. So John 4, and I want your eyes to peruse verse 34 through 38 right now. Again, Jesus taps into this woman. He's in the place of drunkenness. She's been with six men, and now she's meeting Jesus. And they're in a dirty place. These disciples, I, I think about this. Uh, who wanted to do evangelism in Sychar? The answer, not the disciples. <laughs> but they had to be stretched. Now listen to the words of Jesus, Luke 19 and 10. Put it in your notes tonight, Luke 19 and 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Oh, my. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost lost. Jesus was the ultimate treasure hunter. He was the ultimate treasure hunter. He was looking for that which is lost. I'm going to tell you, guys, what's going to happen in this revival and this outpouring, God's going to break our hearts for the lost again. And it's going to be the best kind of breaking of heart you can experience. God's going to break your hearts for young women in lesbian relationships. God's going to break your heart for men that are in homosexual relationships. God's going to break your heart for kids that are growing up in pitiful homes and they need rescue. God's going to break your heart for our schools to be reformed. God's going to break your heart for reform in government. God's going to touch us in such a way. And what's going to happen, it's, it's already happening. It's the catalyst to move the people of God into their divine assignment and their calling. To bring liberty to captives. To open up prison bars, prison gates, and set captives free. I'm in Matthew 9 right now. Throw it in your notes. Matthew 9. We're about to close. It says in verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities. Is it behind me? Watch this. Jesus went about all the cities and villages and teaching in their synagogues or really their churches, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among the people. My God, you got to see that. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Healing every sickness. Healing every disease among the people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I know my friend Bill right now in Redding, California is mourning his wife. But I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to go on living the rest of his life knowing Jesus is the same yesterday. And forever, he is the healer. And you better believe he ain't going to give up one inch of his inheritance knowing that Christ is the healer. I'm telling you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and dwells within us. And we, we have to know and come into this ever-increasing revelation. Everywhere we go, we should be laying hands on the sick and expecting them to recover and to be healed. But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. Hear it for yourself tonight, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Guys, we, we cannot think just in the church realm anymore. You, we can't just think church. We have to think kingdom. God is commissioning this family, this body, into every sphere of society to do the kingdom work. It's not just, oh, can I just get raised up to be in the church? Well, many will, that will happen. But for the majority, it will be everywhere else in the marketplace. I mean, Michael, you're, you're touching people Brian can never get to. You're, you're touching intellectual men, intellectual minds, businessmen that, that I'll probably never get to. I'm not minimizing my sphere, but I'm just saying it's, it's different. You have to recognize God is sitting. Man, when I pray over you, Neil, man, I am so proud of you. And I'm just going to say it from the pulpit. I'm so proud of what you are doing for our community and for our city. Neil is the secretary of the Republican Party right here in Sarasota. When I, go ahead. When I pray over him, when I think about the relationships that he's building, when, when he's building true kingdom connections with people that love God, fear God, serve God, and he's there to make sure that righteous leaders are coming into the place for upcoming seats of authority and in our schools and everything. I love it. We're anointed to go forth. And to speak and to do the works of Jesus. I've spoken many times about, and I'm going to close here. I've spoken many times about Evan Roberts, the young boy who at 11 years of age went to go work with his father. He became a coal miner. And then later in life began, in his young life, in his early 20s, began to have encounters with God in the nation of Wales. He began to have powerful encounters with God. He was caught up into heaven several times, the Lord showing him things about his country, and the Lord told him in a matter of two weeks, and I'm fast forwarding the story, he said in a matter of two weeks, the Lord told him 150,000 people in your nation will come into the kingdom of God. Revival would break out in South Wales. It touched the whole world. Evan Roberts went to his pastor in a little city in this there's a, there's a chapel there, there's a church there called Moriah Chapel. And he told his pastor what the Lord had done and set on fire within him. And what the Lord had told him, that, that revival was about to break loose and it would transform Wales. Well, the pastor was so excited about the news that he went through the service and forgot to say a word about it. And then when people were leaving, he remembered and then finally called up Evan. And there weren't many people left in the building. And Evan got up and he announced, he got up and he announced that the outpouring of the Spirit was coming to the nation of Wales. And within two weeks, suddenly, there was an outbreak of the Spirit of God. What that looked like, history, you read the books. The books are absolutely fascinating about the Welsh revival. The bars and the clubs, all the taverns closed down. The sports, the, the soccer, the rugby was shut down. The theaters were shut down. All the entertainment theaters, everything. 
everything was shut down and people were going to these gatherings where the Spirit of God was falling and they were under conviction, heavy, heavy conviction of sin and began to have encounters with the living God and come into the kingdom and be filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you four things tonight about Evan's message real quick. I want you to write them down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, I would write it down. And I believe that this is relevant for 2022. I believe this is relevant for this generation. Evan's message was this. Number one, confess all known sin to God and receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's a good one. Number two, remove anything from your life that you are in doubt or feel unsure about. Did you hear that? I'm going to read it again. Remove anything from your life that you are in doubt or you feel unsure about. Number three, his message was be totally yielded and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Number three again, be totally yielded and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Number four, publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. And revival broke out in Wales, and from there it went to America, it went to Australia. Of course, 1906, the Azusa Street outpouring in Los Angeles, California, broke loose. I got a few things to say left that I think are very important. I'm going to tell quickly, very quickly, a story in the mid-90s, my wife and I were newly married. The San Salvadorian Civil War had just ended in El Salvador. The nation was opening strong to the gospel. We went, we, Bren and I brought a team, and we were ministering in the jungles of El Salvador. Our leader, our host, that we went to go meet, Don Triplett, missionary family there. Don took us to a place that was called the Azusa of Central America. And the reason it was called the Azusa of Central America is because a man in the early 1900s in El Salvador was praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He had been lingering for many, many months, praying in, I mean, hours every day, asking for the baptism of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told him to go to Los Angeles. It's a long story. The man got in a boat and left El Salvador and went all the way up to Los Angeles and came into the, this is a true story, went into the Azusa Street Revival met up with William Seymour, had an encounter with the Lord, was baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, stayed there for many weeks, left there, took his boat all the way back down to El Salvador. And from his little church where we slept and stayed at and laid in the floors of his church, Pentecost went to all of Central America. And to this day it's called the Azusa of Central America. Here's why I bring the story up. It required the hunger of one person 
you got to get this because this is the main point. That one man's hunger affected all of Central America for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we were so blessed to lay in that church and sleep there and do ministry from there. We had powerful, powerful ministry in El Salvador. But here's what I want to tell you tonight. God is looking for churches who are hungering and who are thirsting after righteousness, who will worship in spirit and truth, who will will host his glory in his presence and not be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Even when things break out that are unexplainable and that are extra biblical, that there's no chapter and verse for it, but it brings glory to God. I think I'm going to wrap right here. Listen, listen. I believe our city, I believe Sarasota is going to come under an immeasurable influence of the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm making an announcement tonight. I believe our city, our region, is going to come under the immeasurable influence of the Holy Spirit. It will be inexplainable. And I believe that the dominion of the Holy Spirit that will prevail over us, people will call it awakening, people will call it revival, people will will call it a spectacle. That in some strange way, God's going to make Sarasota a city of refuge and a city of hope for people to come to from far and near to encounter God. I know this in my spirit. I know that it's going to happen. And we are part of this together. I'm going to say again, I believe with all of my heart, our city is going to come under the immeasurable influence of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to change things radically. It will be easy for people to get saved. It will be very easy. People will be saved all over on the beaches, all over businesses. Let's just say even in churches. It's going to be easy. Some churches in our region need to get saved. Oh, some churches in this region need to get saved. I want to tell you something. If you track our heritage and our family, you find out that the same fire that fell in the upper room, it also erupted in the early 1700s in a place called Hernhut, Germany. And it was amongst the Moravian people with Count Van Zinzendorf. And what erupted there was a prayer meeting that lasted, a prayer meeting that lasted over 100 years, 100 years of unbroken prayer. People were praying. It didn't look like anything else that God was doing. Listen to this. 
It didn't look like anything else that God was doing. You can go back, you can back, you can go back and look at when Bob Jones prophesied to Mike Bickle that you're going to have an unending 24-7 place of prayer, worship, and intercession. And the time will come that people in Asia, this was, this was before the time of cell phones, ladies and gentlemen. He said, he said people planting their crops will be standing out in the middle of their fields in Asia looking at a screen and watching you and everyone praying 24-7 around the clock. And Mike Bickle thought, this guy's a bozo. <laughs> he, I mean, his, it, Bob said Mike's spiritual discernment was about that deep. <laughs> but guess what? Fast forward 30 years, and guess what? It's happening. It's manifested. It's wrapped the earth. I believe God has written a special story for our city and region. And that's why people are coming here. People like Glenn and Jenny. Others. It, there's something special that's about to break forth. We're, we're already in it. Guys, we're in revival. What, what is the atmosphere in here? What's it? We're in revival. But it's about to get deep, 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 deep. It's about to get where, you, where, where, where the bottom breaks out and you can't feel the, the, the bottom anymore. And you're, you're like, you're like oh, oh, my gosh. It's like, you know, you know how you do that? You go down in the lake and you can feel that and then suddenly it, it or down in the ocean, it just drops off. We're going to get to the place where it drops off and we're, God's going to start carrying us, carrying us in the glory. And it's going to be easy for people to get saved. It's going to be easy for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's. This region has worked really hard to build seeker structures and safe places from the Holy Spirit to move. And God's going to bulldoze it. He's going to bulldoze it. And it's going to be easy for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are going to be having encounters with God. Kids are going to be having encounters with God. You're going to see the power of God on people on display. You won't be able to explain it, but you'll know that it's God. We've seen God come on people. It, it was terrifying. But when they got up off the floor after living a life of being molested through all of their ch child life, adolescent life, and they got up off the floor, they didn't even look like the same person. I'm talking about the power of God on display. Radical things are about to break loose. The reason that God moved us back to this city is not because, oh, we missed the beach. We missed the palm trees. There's an assignment of outpouring and revival. If God would have said Alaska, I'd be preaching in Alaska tonight, but thank God I'm preaching in Sarasota. <laughs> thank you, God. I mean, Trump can go up there and pack the place and talk, but I, hey, whatever. Oh, he said Trump. Oh, no. Y'all going to be okay? Guys, we are destined for something magnificent. We are destined, Kathy, you know it, with everything and the fiber of your, we are destined, Miriam, for something spectacular. 
And for such a time as this, we're alive. And for such a time as this, we're family. And for such a time as this, our lives collided. And, and we know each other. And, and you're letting me be your leader. And we're friends. And we're moving in the spirit. And it's happening. Guys, God is doing something extraordinary. And we are coming into the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God, and it's going to surprise you who God starts speaking to. The most unlikely candidates are about to be lit up. And the dirty places are about to be lit up with the light of God. Jesus had need to go through Sychar. I'm telling you, Jesus has need to walk through Sarasota. Jesus has need to walk through Sarasota. He's going to walk into this city that's so tied up in their money, so tied up in their prestige, so tied up in their stuff, and he's going to untie them from their idolatry over their stuff, and they're going to fall so in love with Jesus. And what I, what I believe is about to happen is, they're going to fall so in love with the Lord, the powder keg of money is going to be poured into the kingdom, and something extraordinary is going to happen. Something extraordinary. The wealth that is in this place, God's going to just uncap the powder keg, and it's going to go to the purposes of the king. It's going to, it's going to go to the purposes that God can trust, that God can trust. And now it's going to rescue these kids, and it's going to rescue these lives. You see what? It's going to be uncapped. And God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And nothing's going to stop it. And that's why we're here. So let's pray this together tonight. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this Presbyterian church. Hallelujah. I'm teasing. For real. Let's bow our heads and close. I rarely do this, but I want you to pray this with me tonight. Lord of the harvest, send out laborers. Pray that tonight. Pray that again. Lord of the harvest, send out laborers. I want you to pray this tonight if you're bold. God, send me out. Pray it tonight again. Send me out. God, heal me. send me to heal the sick. Pray that tonight. God, send me to heal the sick. God, send me to win souls. Send me to cast out devils. God, send me to raise the dead. Send me to liberate captives. Send me to preach the kingdom of God. God, this is my cry. Revival now. God, this is our 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 cry. Revival. That's it. That's it. 
Father, I thank you tonight. America is being saved. I thank you, Father. America is being saved. I thank you, Lord, that the prophetic destiny of America will be set on its course again. I thank you that the prodigal nation is coming home. God, we speak tonight that America shall keep covenant relationship with Israel. And no matter what this demonized administration tries to do to ambush it, we decree and we declare America shall stand for Israel. We decree it. We decree, Lord, you are pouring out your spirit, God, from the Carolinas to California, from Alaska, Hawaii, and Florida in the name of Jesus. We decree the outpouring of the Spirit of God. We decree a national awakening is here. We decree that we are part of the generational reformation. We decree that we are part of the healing and the mending of a nation. We decree hope is not gone and hope is not lost, but we decree hope is burning in us like an unquenchable fire and hope is arising. And we decree God now over Florida, God, pour out your spirit on all flesh. And God, show forth your mighty acts of power and deliverance to captives. Lord, we speak forth the bursting forth of of the harvest in Florida. And we pray again, Lord, send us out. Lord of the harvest, Lord of the harvest, send us out as laborers everywhere. Send us out as laborers. Lord, I believe because of this night, there's going to be such a residual effect throughout this week of prayer and fasting. There's going to be, oh, Throughout this entire week, God, everywhere we go, there's going to be healings, there's going to be salvations, there's going to be testimonies and stories of you breaking through your people. I thank you, Lord, you're taking us to another level of consecration, a place of true humility, a place, God, that you love the spirit and truth of our hearts. And you said, I've chosen to rest there. I will be amongst victory, a church of my presence. Lord, we say to you, have your way. Have your way. Pour out your spirit. Take 30 seconds and just pray that with me tonight. Just just ask the Lord. Just pray it. Pour out your spirit, God. Pour out your spirit afresh on me. Pour out your spirit afresh. Pour out your spirit here, God. Father, tonight we pray for Dutch and we pray for Pastor Kilpatrick. We pray, God, that when they come, there is an electrifying fire of the Spirit of God in their belly. 
and that the word of the Lord is released and thundered through them in this city and this region that will bring lasting impact. I thank you, God, for these mighty apostles that are coming, sent forth from you, Lord. And I just speak forth the breaking forth of this region, that this will be a groundbreaking time set apart and holy unto God. Lord, we pray that many will receive their calling. Many will receive their heavenly assignment. Many will receive a fresh anointing, a fresh baptism of fire, a fresh baptism of fire. Oh, God, pour out your spirit. God, may there be miracles and healings and signs and wonders amongst us. And for your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to be seated tonight. Praise the Lord. Ushers, if you would come tonight. If you need an offering envelope tonight, just lift your hand high. Our ushers will serve you. You can give on our app tonight. You can give on the website. Those of you that are online, are we still online? Did we, we made it through the storm. Man, that was a storm. People were starting to try to build arcs around here. I was weird. I don't know. I was weird. Anyway, it was a radical storm. If you need an offering envelope, you can lift your hand high, and we can serve you tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What time is it, guys? What time? Okay, it's 8.58. That's pretty good. will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Regardless of inflation, regardless of gas prices, regardless of chaos, God will provide for every one of your needs. He will bless you. He will keep you. He will bless you in your storehouses. He will bless you in your storehouses. name of Jesus, we speak prosperity over the people of God. We speak breakthrough and every need met. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, go ahead. Thank you for sowing tonight. Thank you for investing. close in just a moment as soon as the ushers are done there's one more thing that I need to do tonight I always want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit I look I look through this crowd each and every time that we gather 
I don't know everybody here. And I want to give this call tonight. If you are in this room, if you are in this room, and you know tonight you must get your life right with God, you know tonight is that night that you must get things right with God. That means you must come into right relationship. You must restore fellowship and communion with Him in your heart. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Or if you're in this room, or if you're in this room and you do not know the Lord, you are not born again. You have not asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Tonight is that night. I tell you, today is the day of salvation. Today, 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 today is the day of salvation. Do not delay. Do not delay, ladies and gentlemen. If that's you, if you need to dedicate your life to the Lord tonight, or you would say, I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, I need you to lift your hand with everyone, everybody's eyes open, everybody looking right here. I want to give this call. If that's you, lift your hand high and be bold and be courageous. Thank you. Right back there. Thank you. Right back there. Are you lifting your hand? Are you rededicating your life to the Lord tonight? Okay. Okay. Laura, I want you to just get up and sit right next to her and put your hand on her. I don't want her sitting alone. Right there in the pink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, right now, we just thank you. We call her into relationship with you. And I thank you that as she's about to pray with Laura, she's going to rededicate her life and she's coming back into the kingdom. And I speak over you in the name of Jesus that the Lord would wash you from all of your sin. The Lord would wash you and cleanse you from your running. And he would set your heart back into perfect union and relationship with him. This night, in the name of Jesus, we bless you as a family. We bless you in Jesus' name. Laura, I want you to just take time. Just pray with her. Pray with her to just... Rededicate her life to the Lord tonight. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Come on. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to open our altars. I'd like our, our altar team to go ahead and come. Prepare yourself. Boy, I miss Mark tonight. I'm just praying the glory of God upon you, Mark. The goodness of God on you, Mark. I love you, big buddy. Big bro. I call him Marcus Maximus. <laughs> I was missing his arms, almost hitting my head in worship tonight. I want our altar team to come. We want to open the altars for any reason that you would need prayer tonight. We are here for you. We love you. We bless you. Every one of you, we love you. We bless you. It's been a powerful night. Guys, we meet this week. Every night this week, we meet. Every night this week from 630 to 8. 6.30 to 8 every night this week for our time of prayer and fasting. It's a time of ministering unto the Lord. It's a very intimate time, very special time. We'll be meeting here on the campus tomorrow night in the Life Center. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for this powerful night, and we pray the moving of your spirit. In Jesus' name, miracles the flow. Amen and amen. Good night, everybody.